Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It was taught to me by my mother when I was a little boy. Perhaps your mother, your grandmother taught you the same thing. We've since taught it to our kids as well. And that is this. It is not polite to point. It's not polite to point. Not in church, you know, not at the mall, not out in public, not on the street. You don't point. No pointing. It's not polite. Why is that? We don't know. But you better not do it. It is not polite to point. You hear me? Everyone, all right? Everybody knows that. Everybody apparently except for John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist, you know, he is an unrepentant, persistent, perpetual pointer. He is pointing constantly. It's almost the only thing that he wants to do is to point, to point away from himself, to point to another. And it's interesting, I was going through old paintings, historic paintings, and artistic renderings of John the Baptist. And through history, there's basically two themes in paintings of John the Baptist. One are paintings of John's decapitated head. Don't recommend Googling that, okay? Just take my word for it. And the other one, more common, what you see in every single painting of John the Baptist is John pointing. And I've given you a, a, a case in point, as it were. On the front of your worship folder, there's a painting. I actually don't even know who it's by, but this to me is kind of the consummate picture of John the Baptist. He has this look on his face, like he's kind of surprised or stunned, like, hey, don't look at me, I'm not your guy, okay? But instead, look over here. This is where you want to be looking. That's, that's the one. John the Baptist is always pointing. And in doing so, he is an apt picture of confession, what it means to confess. And really, he, he expresses it so powerfully. We hear it in the gospel. It says, John the Baptist, he confessed, did not deny, but confessed. And it's appropriate that John underscores that by repeating it twice. John confessed, did not deny, but confessed. Because when we talk about confession, there's really two parts to it. There's two sides to it. On the one hand, confession means pointing away from yourself. Pointing away from yourself. But then on the other hand, the other part of it means pointing toward Jesus. Those two parts make up confession, just simply, succinctly put. Confession means pointing away from yourself and pointing toward Jesus. And what I want to do this morning is to unpack that definition for us and those two parts of what it means to confess but then to see how John, in the way that he confesses, points up for us how this kind of confessing leads us to, to greater peace and greater joy, which we need at any time, but I think especially in a time like right now. So let's do that. Let's unpack these two parts of confession. First off, to confess means to point away from yourself. This is the, the way of negation. This means admitting your failures and your wrongdoings and, the, and your shortcomings, the way that, that you come up short to confess. And here, John shows us how it's done in masterful stroke, strokes. As he says, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. He says it so boldly, so confidently as the religious leaders come to him asking him, who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And John's like, no way am I the Messiah. I am not worthy even to unstrap his sandals. 
John is saying in the strongest possible terms that he, he is not the Christ, that he is not worthy. He's admitting who he is, more importantly, who he is not. And in fact, for John to put it this way would have been an astounding word for those uh, religious leaders who come to him to hear from him. In fact, there was a, a rabbi around John's time who said this, every service which a slave performs, every service which a slave performs for his master shall a disciple do for his teacher, except for this, the loosing of his sandal thong. What they're saying is, look, a disciple is practically a slave, and John the Baptist was certainly a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Anything, no, no holds barred, anything that the, the master asks the disciple to do, he should do. There's only one thing that's too low, that's too menial, and that's loosing the master's sandal. And John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to do that. Here, John acknowledges in the strongest possible terms his unworthiness. And in doing so, he is pointing away from himself. This is the first meaning of confession, pointing away from ourselves. And it's a way, it's a, a definition that I think runs really counter to a lot of themes and a lot of movements in our culture today. See, we're constantly being told in ways explicit and implicit that you and I, that we need to be pointing to ourselves, that we need to be looking out for ourselves. We need to be letting the world know who we are and what we've got going on. If I can return to a common soapbox for myself, social media. Now, why does social media exist? You say, oh, pastor, it exists so that we can connect with our family that's far away and friends from high school. You're kidding yourself. Social media exists so that we can point to ourselves, so that we can show the world how awesome we are, how put together we are. Look at me. Look at how, oh, there's a pandemic going on? I didn't even realize it. My life has just been so pleasant and peaceful. My kids always obey. My Christmas tree looks perfect. Everything is wonderful. And look, look, maybe I'm too on the nose for some of you, even for myself. I'm guilty of this too, and I grant you that that's not the only thing that social media does, blah, 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 blah. But there's something inherent about those platforms, right, that kind of point us to pointing to ourselves. And of course, it's not just social media. It's all throughout our culture, our society, playing on that natural inborn tendency that we all have to point to us, to say, look at me. Look at how put together I am. Look at my wisdom, my righteousness, my this, that, and the other thing. But listen, when we're doing that, when we're failing to confess, to point away from ourselves, St. John says elsewhere, we are deceiving ourselves. We're not deceiving everyone else when we fail to confess our sins, to admit our shortcomings. We're only deceiving ourselves. Or as my mother paraphrased it, and I may have quoted this before, she said, once you can smell yourself, everyone else has been smelling you for three days. See? Everyone else knows when you're in the wrong. Everyone else knows your own shortcomings, even if you yourself don't know it, or at least don't want to admit it and acknowledge it. But listen, friends, this is what confession is. Acknowledging our failures, admitting our shortcomings, where we have been wrong. That's what confession is, most basically. But here's the beauty of it, see. In confessing, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to wipe out our wrongdoings, to pick us up and to say, you are worthy to be in my presence because I have washed you, I have made you whole. 
John the Baptist says, rightly, I am not worthy even to stoop down and untie his sandals. But what does our Lord Jesus do? He stoops down and washes his disciples' feet. That's our Messiah. Even though we are unworthy to stoop down and untie his sandals, he comes and stoops down to you and me, to the lowliest place of all, in order to wash us, to cleanse us, to forgive us, to serve us, to lift us up, and to make us his own. And so this first part of confession is a necessary sense of pointing away from ourselves and admitting our failures. But if we stop there, if we stop there, we haven't gone far enough. Because if all you're doing is pointing away from yourself anywhere and everywhere, you're like somebody who's playing pin the tail on the donkey with their eyes closed and just kind of pointing anywhere and everywhere. You know, pin the tail on the Messiah, less popular game. But you're just pointing anywhere and everywhere. And that's where we get to the second part of confession. It's not just pointing away from yourself. It's also pointing toward Jesus. It's not only admitting our failures, it's also acknowledging our Father. It's not only the way of negation, but it's also the way of affirmation, of confirmation, of confessing who the true Christ is. We say, no, I am not the Messiah, but this one is. Don't miss it. Don't mistake it. And here again, John the Baptist pictures this confession for us beautifully. Because John, he is constantly pointing to Jesus. Anytime we see him, he, he just can't stop pointing to the true Christ, to the true Messiah. He's like those big neon signs that they have in Las Vegas, right? Those blinking neon signs with the arrow pointing right there. That's John the Baptist. Bing, bing, bing. Messiah, Christ, right here. This is the anointed one. You want to look for him? You know, like your dog everywhere, the squirrel goes squirrel and takes off. That's John the Baptist. Lamb, lamb of God, right here. And he goes after pointing. This is the one that we need to be looking toward. This is the one that we need to be hoping in. But here, if I can circle back to where I, I started with, talking about how pointing is impolite. In our world today, how much more is that the truth when you're pointing to Jesus? Oh, you shouldn't be pointing to Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't point to Jesus. That's just, that's just not right. I think back to uh, a time... When I was a young pastor, I was just getting started, and we were living in our, our town in uh, coastal California on the Monterey Peninsula. And uh, we got to know the mayor of town. And at the city council meetings, over which the mayor presided, of course, it was customary for them to have some religious leader from town, a pastor, perhaps, or a rabbi, or even a Wiccan priest. True story. Anybody they can find to come and deliver what they called the invocation, you know, basically the opening prayer. And uh, the mayor, who I'd gotten to know, he invited me. He knew, okay, you're the new pastor in town. Might be good for you. Would you like to come? And I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. You know, I can come. It'll be a chance, you know, for some witness, for some outreach. Get myself out in the community, let folks know. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. And he says, there's just one thing. And you know what he's going to say. <clears throat> he says, uh, you know, just none of that Jesus talk, Okay. Don't do any of that Jesus talk. You can talk about a higher power or the force or whatever you want to say, but just none of that Jesus stuff. And in my mind, I knew what I should say. What I should say is, no, then I cannot speak. What I wanted to say was, how could I not speak of my Savior, my Lord Jesus? It would be as though a fire is burning in my bones. No, I must speak of Jesus. What I did say was, 
Okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. You ever been there? Where you're like, here's a softball. What a great opportunity. Okay, and the whiff. But this is so common. This is the pressure that we feel in our world today. Don't talk about Jesus. It'd be impolite. It's not right. But listen, friends. When that's you and me, when we find ourselves with that feeling, that's where we need to confess in that first sense. Where we need to admit that that's wrong. Christ Jesus has called us boldly to confess his name. To acknowledge him as the Savior. To point to him even when it's impolite. And that doesn't mean then... That doesn't mean that we should be jerks about it, right? It doesn't mean that even if it's impolite to point to Jesus, that we should do it in an impolite way. And here, John leads the way for us as well, because he says, look, I am not the light. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm not the, the source of the world's hope and peace and joy. All I do is reflect that light to the world. John's saying it's like he's the moon. Right? Jesus is the, the sun. The son of God is the sun in the heavens. And he is the moon reflecting and refracting that light to the world. And that's how it is for you and me too. We don't have to, to drum up or generate that light in ourselves. You are not the source of peace and comfort and hope for the world. Jesus is. All we are called to do is to be like the moon, to reflect and to refract that light to our neighbors. I guess it's not quite right to say that we should be mooning our neighbors. But you understand what I'm getting at, right? We're reflecting that light. We're not generating it for ourselves. He is the Savior. The Son of God is the sun in the heavens. This is what it means for us to confess. To confess means to point away from ourselves and to point toward Jesus. But to this point, we've just really talked about that definition, what it means to confess Jesus. But I want to bring it home here and conclude with why it matters that we confess in this respect, this twofold way of pointing away from ourselves and pointing toward Jesus. And to get at that, I want to go to the American cinematic classic, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which I'm contractually obligated to quote every year about this time in some way, shape, or form. So I'm thinking about Clark W. Griswold. And if you don't know the movie, I'm assuming you know the movie, but if you don't, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But suffice it to say, Clark Griswold, Chevy Chase, wants to be the savior of his family's Christmas. He wants everything to be just so, just right. It is going to be a perfect year, and everybody is going to look and honor and acknowledge him. Yes, Clark, you're the man. You did it. That's his hope. But if you know the movie, one thing after another after another goes wrong, and hilarity ensues, of course. But he's still got one thing, one holdout, see, with his Christmas bonus, he is going to put in a pool for his family. He's already put down a deposit on it. Granted, he didn't have the money for it until he gets his bonus, but he put down the deposit for that pool. And when he gets it, when he gets that bonus, puts in the pool, everyone will say, Clark, you saved the day. You are the man. And he gets that envelope, gets that bonus, opens it up. And what is it? It's more than you thought it was going to be? It's a one year's membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. The gift that keeps on giving all year long. And he launches into that incredible tirade, which is not appropriate for me to repeat in church. And why does he do that? 
It's because here he had put all of that pressure on himself that he was going to be the guy, that he would be the savior of Christmas, that he would fix all wrongs, that he would make right everything so that it would be a perfect holiday. And when finally it falls apart, what can he do but explode? Maybe you've had a tirade like that at some point this season. If you have, I won't tell. You can confess it. But even if not, you know that sense of, of pressure and anxiety that builds when we put it all on ourselves and we say, I've got to do it. I've got to be the one. Better for us to follow the way of John the Baptist. As John the Baptist utters what I've come to think of as the anti-creed. The anti-creed. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. In fact, his words echo that strong confession of Jesus later in John's Gospel. You remember this when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Boom! He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. John quotes those same words with one addition. I am not the Christ. I am not the one who is the Savior of the world. I am not the one who can fix it all. And this is a word that we need to hear and take to heart so badly. I am not the one who can fix my family. I am not the one who can fix my job. I am not the one who can fix the nation, fix the world, fix all those problems. I am not the one who can fix myself. Only Jesus can do that. I need to point toward him because he and he alone is the hope of the world. And when we do that, how liberating that confession is, that anti-creed. In fact, I invite you to do it right now. Repeat after me. You don't have to, but if you like, hand over the heart, say it after me. I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. Feels good, doesn't it? We could start each day that way. Say it throughout the day. I am not the Christ. He is. He and he alone is the one who is able to, to bind up broken hearts. He alone is the one who is able to forgive sins. He alone is the one who is able to liberate the captives. He alone is the one who is able to fix that which has been put out of joint. He and he alone is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the very hope of the world. He is the light. He is the sun. He is the one that you should be looking toward because I, I am not the Christ. And what freedom there is in saying that, friends, and acknowledging I can't do it. But he can. He has. And he does. And so I'm going to keep on pointing to him. Even if mom thinks it's impolite. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.